Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. about our study. We're going to be going in starting at John chapter 2. If you want to turn there, if you're turning there, or if you're just looking there, that's fine too. John chapter 2, verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, turn to somebody and say, oh, no, they were out. They wanted wine. The mother of Jesus said unto him, they ain't got no wine. They have no wine. For a few minutes this evening, we're going to talk on the subject of intoxicated, but not as you suppose. Let's pray this evening. God, thank you for an opportunity to come and to be involved in this service tonight. I pray that you would anoint your word. I pray that your words would be alive. I pray that you would speak a timely word, a word perfect from imperfect lips. I pray, God, that each and every word that is spoken is from you. God, I praise you. I thank you. Every honor and every glory is unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So tonight, we're going to talk about being intoxicated. Our study tonight, we're going to go in a couple different directions. We're going to have two, maybe three different little tags together, woven together here, little studies we've got together. So we're going to go in one direction, and if you don't like that direction, I'll pray for you, but hang on, we'll go in another direction soon, and if you don't like that one, just hang on, I'll pray with you in the altar. So John 2, Jesus drank wine. They ran out of wine, so Jesus made some wine. So today, as we start this study, we're going to talk about this notion that's coming up in the church, this notion and idea of consuming alcohol, how it's not really all that bad. I mean, Jesus drank alcohol after all. What's the big deal? And I know every single person in this room is like, oh, man, pastor's not here, and we're talking about alcohol. He's getting fired. (laughs) So we're starting here purposefully. I'm not starting here to try to undercut my entire argument. I'm starting here because it is the foundation of the argument. Because everything that Jesus did, none of it cuts on one another. It stacks on one another. Everything that Jesus did was congruent. It was in a straight line. It was perfect. Nothing contradicts one with another that we see in his word, with what he did on earth, and everything in between. It is all congruent. It is all together. You should not ever shy away from scriptures and say, well, I just don't know what that means. I don't know what it says. They got some good points. I don't know what to do. You should dig. And when you dig, I promise you'll find the answer. So tonight we're going to dig. We're going to dig on this subject, this idea that's coming up. So 
Jesus drank wine. He even made wine. And even better than that, you know how the story goes. He filled the three pots full of stone. He told them to take it to the governor of the feast. And what did the governor of the feast say? You know, usually you save the good wine to last when everybody's drunk. But now they got the So not only did Jesus drink wine, he made wine as a miracle, and he made good wine. So then, what is it? What is the, what is the oxymoronic thing here? And the, the answer is there's not one. The wine that was present in this, in this day was vastly unfermented. Vastly, I say. Not all, but vastly unfermented. It had no alcohol content whatsoever. The only reason they made wine in that day, as a, as, as a purposeful reason they made it, was to preserve it was to take the grapes that they had made to make a drink of it because they knew there would be lots of dry season in the Israel climate they were in, and they would have no water. So what would they do? They had wine that would be preserved that was safe to drink. And they knew that uh, at times the water would not be safe to drink, so they used this method of making this wine to have a medium that was drink safe to drink that they could drink all the time until the next harvest. Then they would have fresh grapes then they could preserve that until the next one. So there were some interesting... So the only reason you would have fermented wine is one of two reasons. Either the person had no idea what they were doing, or they knew exactly what they were doing, and they did it on purpose. So we're not going to delve into that, because they knew what they were doing and the direction they were going, and that's obviously not the way that Jesus made things. He made them pure. So there are three ways that they the three methods, methods that they took to make sure the wine would not be fermented. One method involved boiling the juice, so they would tramp, uh, trample down the grapes into juice, save the wine skins, or the grape skins, and they would boil that mixture until it became almost syrupy. And what that did is that took all the ingredient, all the gluten out of it to where it could not ferment. And then later when they went to drink it, they would dilute it again, usually three times to one, and then they would have wine, unfermented grape juice, if you will. Secondly, another way they would do that, they would boil the mixture, but they would not evaporate the water. They would just boil it just at a really slow boil, and then they would immediately seal it in glass jars with beeswax, then also would not ferment. Thirdly, they could dry the fruit in the sun and then rehydrate it with water later. So this process, I'm not a chemist, but this process adds sulfur to the mixture to where fermentation cannot occur. So they had some serious methods to where they made sure the wine they had did not have alcohol in it, didn't have it. Or even if it did occur, it was in such an absolute small, negligible content that it was just the bacterial fighting that was going on. There was no amount of making wine in that day that was intended to get drunk. None whatsoever. So, today, however, it's a lot different. Today, the wine and alcohol, and again, I told you, if you don't like this direction, just hang on. We're, gonna, we're setting a foundation here. We're going somewhere, I promise. If nothing else, we're expelling arguments, so... Here we go. Today, the production of any alcoholic beverages is solely made to get you to that point of buzzed or drunk. That's it. That's the only reason it's made. Alcohol is in beer, has zero amount of nutritional efforts. It gives you a few empty calories, but that's it. Wine does the same. But when you look at how they make it, they add yeast and sugar 
to shoot the content of the alcohol up. And it's some crazy process where the sugar feeds on the yeast and the yeast expands and all this stuff. But they add this specifically to make it a higher alcohol content to get you drunk. So now, moving into stage two of this message. We're going to define some terms. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's get clear about this. We're going to define three terms. We're not going to read the entire dictionary tonight, but we are going to read three terms. First is to intoxicate. To intoxicate, and I ain't making this up, folks. You can look it up for yourself. It's a really interesting definition. To intoxicate is to raise emotions or to stupefy which you look that up, it is just to make stupid. So obviously I put that one in there because that's better. So intoxicate to is raise emotions or to make stupid by alcohol or drug, especially to the point where physical or mental control is marketably diminished. So it is to do that to the point where your physical and mental faculties cannot really function the way are they meant to function. Secondly, the term to be drunk, which is to have the faculties impaired by alcohol, which leads us to our third and final, I promise, faculties, which are innate or, or acquired ability to act or do. So that is something that is within you that you know how to do or something you have learned how to do. Those are your faculties, something that either happens without you knowing it or you have learned to do it and it is part of your behavior. So now, let us go. So why are we even talking about this? Acts chapter 2. Let's look at an example of drunk. Uh, Acts 2 and 13. You know where we're going. Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter stood up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you. Hearken to my words. These are not drunken as ye suppose. But it's just the third hour of the day. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. So we're going to get on this later. I'm going to really try not to get out of order. Because just as much as you want to get to the second stage of this study, I want to get to the second stage of this study. So I'm going to try not to get ahead of myself. But it's going to be really hard. So we see this example here. Acts chapter 2. They were acting very drunk. But Peter says, not like you think they are. It's not, like, it's not like they didn't try to make some, pre, uh, some preservation wine and they messed up the process a little bit. That's not what happened here. Peter's saying, hang on a second. This is what Joel was talking about. When I would pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This is what's going on. So then, just a little more, I promise, of this foundation that we're going to really get where we want to go tonight. We're going to read some information about the effects. Um, undoubtedly, it's very, very, very clear. Scripture is very much against alcohol consumption in so many ways. Talks about being given to drink, being given to a drunkard, not being a man given to wine, this, that, and the other. And the cool thing is there are two different words used in the Bible for wine. One, which is very primarily used, which is the, what we talked about earlier, the one that was used just for preservation of the grapes and the juice. And the second that is used is the one that was intentionally purposed for the bars, if you will. So we are going to read some scientific, some, some pieces of this. Don't get too scared. We're going to read some pieces of this, talking about the effects of alcohol on your body and your brain. 
And most of this information that we're going to, these snippets that we're going to give are from Andrew Huberman. I want to give credit to him. It is his Huberman Labs podcast on the effects of alcohol in the body and the brain. So undoubtedly, the goal, if you want to call it that, of drinking alcohol is what? Is to get someone to the point where they are drunk. Let's get a few more here inebriated, buzzed, intoxicated, all good answers, to the point where we don't, they don't think about what's going on in their life, right? Where they can disassociate or disconnect from these quote-unquote stresses, these things that are going on in their life, to have them the ability to just decompress, to relax, to let go. So then, Huber, uh, so then can we say... Almost got ahead of myself there again. So can we say then that that is a good fruit of alcohol? Can we say that? Can we say someone that drinks is obviously relaxed and (laughs) there's lots of adjectives we could throw in here. They're relaxed. They're cool. They're composed. They're not stressed. They're fill in the blank. So can we say, can the argument be made that that is a good, that, there you go. There's one chalked up to good for alcohol. Absolutely not. Not a, not a chance. So, Andrew Huberman states, as we talked about, and I'm quoting here, the sensation of being drunk, and hang with me really closely here because this is really important. The sensation of being drunk is a poison-induced disruption of the Nero circuits, end quote. So to be drunk is to where you sufficiently poison your brain and your body to where it cannot function the way it is supposed to function. The reason that when you drink alcohol, you are not able, you are able to, uh, what are we, what's the words we're looking for here? Uh, to be able to take these stresses off your mind. There we go. To take these things in life that are bugging you, these stresses at work, these things at home. The reason that people can do that when they drink is because their, for, their prefrontal cortex, should have written this down, cannot function. It doesn't work. It's not that, well, I can relax. It's good. Let's just chill, have a drink. No, it's that your brain cannot adequately make the connections to think about what should be bothering you. Your brain cannot put the pieces together to fix what is wrong. Your brain can't make all the connections to fix something. It just is completely forgetting about it because it can't remember it. So to be drunk is to sufficiently poison yourself to the point where your brain and body are not functioning properly. That's the goal, right? Quote, unquote, that's the goal. That's the finish line. That's the, that's the thing we're shooting for here if someone is drinking alcohol. So a fun, just because I'm here and we're going to have fun while everyone's really tense. <laughs> to say that alcohol helps you relax, you know, and give you stress relief would be the same as saying a cup of cyanide will help you take a really nice long nap. And it would also be the same as saying, if Cole hit me in the head with a sledgehammer, it would open my mind to the outside world. 
you know I had to throw a couple puns in there somewhere. But this is true. This is what happens. The industry takes these ideas and stretches them and twists them and puts them in such a way as, well, wine's good. Look at France. They have the lowest heart disease. Look at them go. Let's look at all of France. No dicks to France if you're watching, sorry. But we cannot take just one snippet of the scale. If you, if you look at the studies, I've not read all of them, but I've read some of them. And if you look at the studies, alcohol is not just like, here's a good thing, here's a couple bad things, here's a good thing. It is one thing that can sort of be construed as not terribly horrible. And then a hundred things that are bad, like really bad. And what happens is the industry takes this, like the, you know, cup of cyanide, long nap. They take this idea and they put it in the light they want it to. They put it in the narrative they want it to. The world, man, the enemy, he's awful good at projection. He's awful good at taking things and just putting it at just the perfect light he wants to, to where it looks believable. You know, Eve, you're not really going to die. It's just a fruit. After all, God made it. And he put it in front of your face. How rude. And then told you not to eat it. He contorts and twists. That's why tonight I really want to get into this. I've, I've had this study on my, on my mind for a while. And I know it's not, like I said, stage one of this study isn't the most fun. But stage two, we're going somewhere, I promise. So it's important to lay this foundation. Hebrews 11, 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. For a season, that's pretty vague. The pleasures of sin for a season, right? What is it, a season? Could be a year, two years, three months, maybe technically around here, sometimes half a minute around here. Goodness me, I've been, f- seasons, I, I love them in Indiana, but boy, they have messed with me today. I have been freezing all day. Anybody else? Yes, sorry, that's not any way involved in the study, but otter brain at work up here. A season. A season, a pleasure in sin for a season. I love here that we call Moses in here, and, and it's illustrated so wonderfully that he would prefer the reproach of Christ. He, he seems that to be greater than the riches of the treasures in Egypt. I'd prefer to have the reproach of Christ than everything. I'd prefer be in the right. I'd prefer do what's right than have everything else ever in the world at my fingertips. Sin will only bring, as the scripture says, wages of sin is death. The etymology of intoxication, so the root of that word itself, intoxication, gives us two parts. En is the first part, so n, which tells us to, it is within or into, and then toxicare 
is the second part of that which translates to poison. So to intoxicate is to poison, to put poison within, to poison yourself. Simply put, to intoxicate is to put poison within. Now, this one is fun. We're going to talk just for a second about the blood-brain barrier. Say it with me, blood-brain barrier. What that is is a network of blood vessels and cells that are very closely contained in your brain. A barrier all around your brain that is made of blood and cells. Lots of other cool stuff that I could not explain. And what it does is it keeps harmful substances from entering your brain. It keeps things that should not be in your brain outside your brain. And other stuff is allowed to pass through. Things like water, oxygen, general anesthetics. They all pass through that blood-brain barrier and are able to go in there. So alcohol, however, fun fact, alcohol is water and fat-soluble, which is really important because when it comes to that blood-brain barrier, I'm going to call it the BBB from now on so I don't have to slow down every time I say that. So the reason that's important is because the blood, the BBB, I lied to you again, the BBB... I think Pastor was right. I, I'm used to speaking Spanish for five days, and now I'm like, <laughs> I wasn't kind to myself on my first study back. So the reason that's important is because that blood-brain barrier is meant to keep alcohol out. But because of the structure of alcohol, it is water and fat-soluble, it passes straight through. Another fun fact, it passes through every single cell in your body because it's water and fat soluble. It can go wherever it wants. See where we're heading here? See that? Put that in your body, and for the sake of the intoxication study, intoxication, in poison, you put that stuff in your body, and we're talking about more than alcohol here if you're not catching on. We're talking about sin in general. Put that in your body, where does it go? Wherever it wants wherever it wants. See, then it starts, and I don't know if you've, I know you've been there, but I'm not going to, I know I've been there. It starts with, well, just this little bit, right? Filling your, filling your blank, lying, cheating, stealing, drinking, pornography, filling the whole scale spectrum there, whichever one applies to you, or did apply to you more specifically. It goes in, it goes wherever it wants, Say, well, this is going to go in here, but it's not going to affect my family. It's not going to affect my church attendance. It's not going to affect my giving. It's not going to affect any of this other stuff. I'm going to keep it under control. No. No, you put it in. It goes wherever it wants. And the cool thing, not the cool thing for the reality of the subject, but the cool thing for the study itself is that it goes into your brain, Right? What does your brain do? Makes all your decisions. Your brain makes every single decision you ever do throughout your whole body. If I want to raise my hand, it's because it started in my brain. If I want to kick my foot, it started in my brain. So what happens when you are not in control of your brain? You start doing stuff you didn't want to do. You start partaking in things you didn't really want to partake in. You start, you start traveling down roads. You're like, well, well hang on a second. I'm, I'm, why am I going? I don't want to go down this road. And then all of a sudden you realize it's because you put stuff in your spirit, you put stuff in your body that has gone to your brain 
and it started to affect your decision-making. It started to affect your resolve. It started to affect that, well, you know, do we really need to go three times a week? That seems awfully excessive. Do we really need to fast? That seems silly. I mean, after all, it's not super healthy. I intermittent fast, of course, and do my daily greens, but... We get into this real quick, this downward sloping spiral, because one little piece gets in, and then it affects the whole thing. Kind of like, you know, a little bit of leaven messes up the whole bunch. A little tiny bit gets in, and it disperses wherever it wants. Now, we're going into stage two. Acts chapter two, reading again. Verse 15, for these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. Bishop Wall's commentary on this, and I'm quoting, Peter obviously did not take the approach that they were not drunken. Just that they were obviously not, this, they were, just that they were not drunk as ye Suppose their drunkenness was not the result of too much of the spirit of fermenti. It was the result of the spirit, capital S, that has produced this drunken state. So, I love that. I love that Peter didn't even try to argue it. So, what's that tell us? See, this, is, this is where we're getting fun here. What does that tell us? That tells us that there was 100 plus people spilling out of the upper room into the streets where everybody could see them. And what were they doing? Praise God, what a wonderful service. That was so nice. I cannot wait thus to get to the Boga King. No, they came out guns blazing, acting drunk. They were messed up in the spirit. They were messed up. They were probably running around, throwing their hands up, spinning around in circles, doing all sorts of crazy mess because they thought they were drunk on wine. But I love that Peter is just like, I'm not even going to try to debate that one. They're drunk, but it's not like you think. Let me tell you what it is, though. He follows up with the next verse. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. This is when God's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. This is what we have been waiting for. This is the prophecy that's been coming. This is the stuff that's been coming for years. This is it, folks. This is it. So that's why. And then remember when we talked about earlier about they couldn't uh, that to be drunk was to lose control of your physical and mental Faculties, right? So the things that you are innate innate within you, again, I'm not being kind to myself tonight picking this study. The things that are innate within you or that are learned behavior have caused you to lose control and act a fool. So then the first part, we talked about that with alcohol, right? But now we're in spirit. Now we're talking about spirit. So now when the spirit comes in, you're drunk in the spirit. Same thing. You lose control. You're what, why am I spinning around? I remember the first time I spoke in tongues, I opened my eyes and I saw spit flying everywhere. Slobber going up. I was like, what is going on? But I cannot stop this. What is happening? That's being drunk. That is losing control. That is letting loose and letting God take, take over. Take the wheel. You're welcome to all of you. Just got that song stuck in your head. 
Now, a couple questions. To me, just as much as to you, that was Acts chapter 2. That was the birth, right, of the Pentecostal movement, right? Is that what we're a part of? It's not a trick question, I promise. It's a rhetorical question. <laughs> Is that what we're a part of? Is that, am, am I, are you trying to line up with that? Indeed, we are. So, the, again, again, just as much for me as anybody else. When's the last time I got drunk in his presence? When's the last time I didn't know what time it was in this place? When's the last time I didn't check to see how many songs we had left? When's the last time I don't remember where I was in the sanctuary? When's the last time I just completely was just lost in his presence? Remember we talked earlier about being able, the, the, the reason a drunk doesn't stress is because his prefrontal cortex his prefrontal cortex, Amy, feel free to jump in any time and just shout it out. His prefrontal cortex does not work, right? So he is unable to pull together these things like common sense, balance, direction. Same thing in the spirit. When I get drunk in his presence, what happens? I lose all control of direction. See, then that's when my will doesn't matter because I don't remember what it was. <laughs> that's when my plans out the window because they don't matter. I don't even remember what they are. If I'm drunk, intoxicated in his presence, or let's go drunk because of the whole poison thing. When I'm drunk in his presence, I lose control. You know, that's when things that don't make sense start to happen, right? That's when miracles start to happen because miracles don't make sense. Faith doesn't make sense. We walk by faith, not by, yeah, yeah, when I get drunk in his presence, I can't see where I'm going. And that's beautiful because then I go places I don't know where to go. Then I go places I've never been. Then I go places I can't just easily access. That's when we're shooting in a new territory. Ephesians 5, 18. Everybody still with me? And be not drunk with wine, wherein is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So we look at that word pleruo, which is to be filled, the, the verb filled there. That means to be full, to be full, right? So what does it mean? Again, not a trick question, an honest, simple question. What does it mean to be full? If you have a cup that is full, what does that mean? There ain't no more room. If my cup is full, if, if I am in his presence, full of his presence all the time, there's no room for nothing else. At that point, I don't have to worry about the temptations of my flesh. I should still be on guard. Don't catch me wrong. But that's when the things in my flesh are the least amount of strength because there ain't no room. There's no vacancy. Because I'm here walking after, uh, is, is in Romans says there's no condemnation to those that walk after the Spirit. 
not after the flesh. So when I'm after the spirit, there's no vacancy sign up. I'm not even paying. That's when my spiritual prefrontal cortex is not connecting to anything around me. I'm not worried about my bank account. I'm not worried about these things that are going on around me because it does not matter because I'm in the spirit realm then. It doesn't matter. Any of this other stuff doesn't. Then I'm starting to, then, then you're starting to lose where it's like, well, that's a little crazy. I don't know why you're doing that. I don't know why you're going to do all this stuff. That's a little wild. That's a little crazy. Did God really tell you that? It's like, good. If, if I'm doing things that don't make sense to people that are not drunk in the spirit, that's a good sign. Because that means you're going somewhere nobody else can see. To be drunk in his presence. Psalm 42. As the deer pants. And I'm going to read from the Amplified, but it should look similar. As the deer pants longingly for the water brooks. So my soul pants longingly for you, O God. So picture this with me. Picture a deer that is just thirsty to the point of just about to die. Searching for the water. What do you see? Do you see something that's just where is that water at? No, 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 nope. No, you see something that's very intentional, that's passionate, that is searching intentionally. Where is that water? I have got to have it. I am not gonna, I'm sorry, Brother Matt, I'm moving everywhere. I am not gonna make it without that water. Where is that water? I have got to find it. Where is his presence? I have got to find it. I have not felt his anointing. I have not felt his presence in ever however many days. I've got to have it. Where's it at? Because that's what it says. My soul longs for you just like that. So when's the last time I searched for his presence like that? When's the last time I couldn't make it another minute without talking to him? And I mean just talking to him. Not just talking to him like, well, God, I need some stuff. A lot of stuff, actually. But I'm talking about getting into his presence like, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And I was, uh, I was here today kind of praying over this and, and working this over. And boy, that hit me hard. Because it led me on a series of questions that really hurt really hurt like god when is the last time when is the last time i was just like you know what i don't want to go play basketball i don't want to go eat i don't want to go watch youtube netflix whatever i just want to go talk to him <laughs> that hurts that hurts because I know that's all he wants. That's all he wants. He just wants you. So tonight, can we just close our eyes just for a minute? God, please forgive me. Because God, I want you just for you.
I want to long after your presence just because it's your presence. Not because we're going to prayer meeting. Not because we're going to schedule to go to church. Not because I have to. Not because somebody special is going to be there. But just because it's your presence. I don't have to wait until I get to the church building. I don't have to wait for an altar call. I don't have to wait for the next week. I don't have to wait for the music to get to the bridge, flipped, cut, just to the right part. I just want you now. I just want your presence right now. I want you because you want me. I want you because you have the an inexpressible, inexplainable amount of love, compassion, and endearment for me, God. So help me. Help me to want. God, I just want to get in your presence. I want to get into your presence to the point where I am drunk. I want to get into your presence to the point where my surroundings don't matter. I want to get drunk to the point in your presence to where the time really doesn't matter. To where what time the restaurant closes doesn't really matter. The things I got to do tomorrow don't really matter. The things that are going on right now in my mind don't really matter. I want to get to the point where I don't know direction in your presence. I want to get to the point where I don't know time in your presence. I want to get to the point where I just get lost with you. Psalm 69 and 9 tells us the zeal, the zeal for your house consumes me. And the mocking insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Lord, the zeal, the psalmist is saying the zeal of your house is just, I'm just ate up with it. I can't make it another minute without your presence, God. I don't want to take one step on my job, in my house, at the restaurant, at the, in the, wherever. I'm, I don't want to take one step without you, Lord. I don't want to just walk off and then only remember your presence when I need you. I don't want to remember your presence when I get in a pickle. I don't want to remember your presence when I just, mm, I messed up. I need a little help. I want to remember his presence every second of every day. I want to be lost. Jeremiah said it was like a fire shut up in my bones. Acts 4. You, you ever, there's certain traits. And again, we're, we're, we're mixing, uh, what's, uh, uh, mixing, uh, Metaphors here. But there are some traits that we're talking about being intoxicated and drunks. What's a, what's a good, what's a, what's a t- very characteristic trait of a drunk? They could care less what you think about them. They could care less what they look like. They could care less what they smell like. They could care less what they sound like. How loud they are. You ever notice how loud they get? Now we're coming back to the other part of that metaphor. When I get in his presence, I want to make sure nothing really matters. Acts 4, if you throw it up, please, that verse I had. 
But Peter, with boldness, they saw the boldness of Peter and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant. So, man, can you, I bet Peter was upset. I bet Peter was really taken aback with that. They called him unlearned and dumb and ignorant. I bet that hurt his feelers. But what happened? They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. There it is. Dead giveaway. Boy, they're bold. They're doing miracles. They don't care what people think. They're breaking all the rules. They were with Jesus. All makes sense now. Now, here we go again with this intrinsic questions. When's the last time that I was at my job, that I was wherever I'm at, and people are just like, wow, I bet he, I bet he knows Jesus? Or do I just want to, you know, not make any waves? I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I just want to just, you know, kind of cruise in, just be all cool and composed and suave and I just want to, I don't want to cause any trouble. I don't want to cause any stink. I don't want to be called unlearned and ignorant. I want to be composed and put together and distinct. That way people see how Jesus put my life back together. And Well, that's fine. But, but you should also not be scared to let people see, boy, he crazy. I want to know why. You know, I want to, so when, when people see your worship, they ought to think, man, I bet that's a story. I bet he, wow, I bet he's walked some places and God just plucked them right out. Next scripture, if you would, Acts, I skipped down, I don't remember what the, yes. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straight, so this is the council coming together. Like, how can we put these unlearned, ignorant men back in their place and shush them up? So they threatened them and speak to no man in this name. Listen here, partner. You better just shut this operation down. Peter, you dumb, ignorant man. You going back home? You don't say another word about this Jesus thing. Just messing stuff up. Well, then what happens? Peter answered, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge me. We're going to really roughly translate that i give care less what you think because i'm looking to serve one i'm more concerned with what god thinks of me than what you think of me kind sir i'm more concerned and then he just went on preaching he just went on go about his day he kept going we read the scriptures of of, of paul that was beaten time and time and time again you look at that at face value, and it's like, what's wrong with that guy? I mean, just be, just be quiet about it, right? We look at Daniel when he was told not to pray. What happens? Opened his window, and everybody heard him praying. Has anybody else ever just been like, would it really be that much of a sin just to pray quietly for a couple days, Daniel? Shut your windows. Use a little common sense here. But Daniel, no, no. I don't really care what you think, pal. 
I'm still going to worship. And what happens? See, what happens is when you become inebriated, we're going to mix metaphors once again, when you become inebriated in his presence, when you get in his presence and nothing else matters, then you really start going some places. Then he really starts putting you in some places where you're going to walk with faith. And then you're really going to show people, wow, that Jesus, that's the real deal. That's the real deal. Can you stand with me, please? So tonight, I'm, I'm just praying that, that you're seeing things in a different light, that, you're, that we're questioning, that we're looking at it's okay to be a fool for Jesus. It's okay to just let it all go. It's okay to just get lost in his presence. And that's what I want to do. Because when I look at where he's brought me from, when I look at how much he wants me, boy, it really hurts when I start to inventory, when's the last time? Just, just wanted to drop by and say, hey, Lord. Just wanted to drop by. I mean, what would happen if every time I talked to my wife, I just wanted something? If she was here, she'd probably say it's not far from the truth. But, but what happened? What would happen? Wouldn't be a genuine relationship. It would be me using her for what she can up, give to me. I don't want to have that. I want to just pour it out for him. God, if I've got to look funny, if my shirt's got to come untucked, if my tie has to get a little crooked when I wear one, then so be it. If I've got to get sweaty, if I've got to talk to the person at JC about Jesus and the person behind me looks at me a little, so be it. So tonight, I just want to encourage you. Can we just throw up our hands just for a few minutes? And I just want us to take some inventory. I just, God, I'm praying in my heart. I'm praying in each and every heart that you would help us. Don't let condemnation to hit us. But God, I pray that you would help us to walk closer to you. I pray you would help us to walk in a way that we are lost in your presence. In a way that we are just completely lost. We don't know direction. We can't connect what's supposed to happen. We can't connect with these things around us, with these things that are happening tomorrow, with the things that happened today, that happened yesterday. But God, I just want to get lost in your presence. I just want to come in. God, I, I'm, I just want your presence. I just want to come in at every moment. I just want to talk to you. I just want, I just want to be a good child. I want to come in and just hug you. I just want to come in just because. God, tonight, I just want to be drunk in your presence. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry. <laughs>